Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards one Australia territory, host Captain Matt Reed is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks uh, for your company. If you're joining us for the first time or you are catching up again, um, welcome. You can subscribe to more about officership in iTunes if you want to get them directly to your device or you can go to the Facebook page, which is the Salvation Army Australia dash candidates and um, they'll be up there at the end of each week. I'm in the probably the Army's best building at the moment in WA, uh, Rockingham, and I'm joined by Captain Daryl Wilson and Lieutenant Chelsea Wilson. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but it's uh, it's good to have your company. Thanks for joining me in your place. Thank you. Pleasure. Daryl, tell us, who are you? Well, I'm Captain Daryl Wilson. I'm the Corps Officer of the Rockingham Corps in Western Australia, which is... Rockingham's about 50k south of Perth CBD. Um, I am son to Ken and Barbara Wilson, um, who Ken was an officer. summary. Yes, yes. I did not know that. Didn't you? <laughs> well, no. you learn things from podcasts. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so um, my father left officership some time ago and yep. my mother retired recently. She is a retired major. So your mum, hang on a second, hang on, this has changed everything. <laughs> so your mum, did she work in community support or something? She has done, she was. Yeah. She used to head it up or something, didn't she? Uh, she, probably her most recent appointment was chaplain in homeless services in Victoria. I remember. Sashes. Sashes. Is that Salvation that Army. Yeah, something, something like that, uh, which she loved. Yep. And um, both my parents have been core officers. Uh, they did that for a, a long time. And she used to do these walks, these yes. bushwalk things. Yes, are we, are we, we both uh, do yes. that. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yep. All right, that's it. Thanks they for joining also, us. And <laughs> they also, their nicknames are Ken and Barb, which is Barbie. <laughs> so, this is good. This go. this this it's is probably going to be the best one we've ever done of these. Oh, there, I didn't know that. Oh, there you go. Well, there, so I why are you here you then? Before this, eh? Why are you here then? At Rockingham. Yeah. Ah, oh, um, because I was appointed here about <laughs> seven and a half years ago. Yes. And. Um, but were your your parents over here? Yes. Are you left behind? Yes, I was oh. left behind. That's what you mean. Okay. Were you left yeah. behind or did you choose to stay behind? Uh, I chose to stay. So I was, how old was I? About 18, 17, 18. It's before my time. So. Yeah. Oh, so I, it wasn't your fault. Okay, we'll no, get to that. I was not together with Chelsea at the time. Um, and, yeah, they were appointed over to Victoria. Okay. And they were the core officers of Morley Corps. Oh, yeah. Which I continued to attend for many years. Mm-hmm. And eventually became the youth worker there. Okay, cool. Now, Chelsea, tell yes. us a little bit about you. Pretty similar story. My parents have both were officers also, which I think you knew that one, Sharon and Peter Power. Power, yep. You know my bro, Ty. I do. Um, so, yeah, they were appointed over here in Kunana back in 89. 
So that's how I ended up in Western Australia and have never left. And uh, So you're a left behind too? I'm a left behind but chose. Chose, Because yep. I then was dating Daryl. Uh, I oh. was also 19. Do any I people think? get left behind? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, I've, well, I've, no sometimes scars. my okay. kids, yeah. <laughs> I feel sure. like maybe they could be left behind some yeah. days, <laughs> obviously. I was happy-ish to be left behind because I was uh, about to get engaged to Daryl and, you know, head down that new path. But uh, okay. it wasn't, wasn't easy looking back and definitely not for mum and dad. But now on the other side, having three children... I don't look forward to that day at all. But no. yeah, so we uh, have, as Daryl said, this is our eighth year mm-hmm. here at Rockingham. Um, we have three children. Lewis is 14, well into the teenage years. Lil's just turned 12 and Max is nine. Okay. Daryl, tell us about this joint. This facility. Facility. Um, what, what goes on here? Because I, I can see pretty much anything this hasn't got is a view of the beach. So yep, that's what, true. What's happening at what's all this? So this uh, we're currently in the auditorium, which is very nice. Um, then just outside here is a large cafe area, which is like a reception slash foyer space. Um, so the idea of that is that like we wanted this facility to represent um, Salvation Army values and. Facilities, I suppose, can do that to some extent. Um, well, you said to me before that you, the building was designed on your values. It was. So we sat as a leadership group and um, just wrote our values down. They were a bit, they were a bit different then because we got the Australia One values now. Um, but one of one of the, the values whole joint down that, start again. Well, one of the values that really stood out to us was hope mm. and. Um, it's, yeah, we want people who come into here to leave with more hope than they came in with. So, you know, we talked a lot about that and, um, you yeah, how can we, we can reflect that and build a culture that that is just a, a great environment that brings people hope, so, yeah. Well, when I came in before, there's a guy, I don't know if he's still there, sleeping on the couch. Yeah. I, love, I love it. <laughs> I think it's great, you know, and yeah. everyone just makes sure that his tummy goes up and down every now and then. Yeah. I did but... check if he was breathing before he was. So. As did I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So so how many people would you have through the building? You know, I know it's not all about numbers, but I, I'm yep. guessing there's a lot of people come through for the different services. And Yeah, so, so we're open as a drop-in centre on, on Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday mornings. Um, mm-hmm. up until one o'clock, but it can vary, depends on who's around. And on a Tuesday, we feed probably 150 people with the lunch, uh, but we don't have the lunch every day. We only have it once a week uh, and the other days are cafe days. So we probably have four or 500 people through the centre um, and we have an op shop which is open. It's in a house just next to the building. Um Next to the car park, I'll point. Like Westfield, just taking over the whole joint. <laughs> but no one on the podcast can obviously see this. Daryl is pointing. There. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. Lots of people come through there. I wouldn't. So is that yeah. an afterthought? The op shop, like, is not part of the, the design, no, so or is it? The Salvation Army, the Corps owns the house. Okay. Uh, and has owned it for years. So it was rented out to an organisation called Low Cost Food Centre which sold low-cost food, <laughs> uh, but they've closed down and now we use it as our op shop. But okay. we did design an op shop in this building, but we mm. moved it once this 
house became available because it's a bigger space. Oh, okay. So we now have transformed the old op shop into a beautiful room called the lounge, which we'll show you afterwards. Is that where those computers and stuff are? Yeah, Behind you keep following there. through there. Yeah, right. So... Beautiful. <laughs> Seriously. It's our favourite room. Your arrogance is unbelievable. <laughs> Just, I don't <laughs> Keep going through. <laughs> so all those computers and stuff, now I'm pointing, yep. is that a hub for... For people just to come in and, and use, yep. or is that for yep. homework so club or something? Free Wi-Fi, um, which is very popular. People mm. come and connect with their phones, and um, that was accessed through a grant through the city of Rockingham, um, which is good. It's yeah, I mean, people love their internet, yep. <laughs> um, so they. But or if they don't have a device, they can log onto those computers. Yeah, yeah cool. What? So now that you've got all this like infrastructure stuff and the people coming in, what what is it like? So you've been here eight years. Yep. Um, what what is this season like? Well, uh, we inherited a, a wonderful culture of uh, what the week would look like when we took over from Lance and Anne seven and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. We had never been a part of a Salvation Army that just saw so many people coming on a smaller scale to what it is now, but mm. still during the week. Um, mm. Obviously the op shop was open as well, but just people come and so often you hear that people are trying to connect with their communities and trying to draw people in, but it was already happening naturally yeah. and we just inherited that and built upon their culture that they created of really welcoming and being open to people. So, um, yeah, so since moving into the new facility, it's just really increased. Taken off. Taken off from there. Obviously mm. nice new facilities can attract more yep. people and we're just, every day we walk in here and just... Playground. Thankful. Small playground for children waiting, um, yeah. safety and fun. Yeah. Trying to be uh, welcoming to as many people as we can. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> <coughs> um, you shared at the Perth Come Alive event for the officer recruitment team yep. last... Last night. Night. <laughs> yep, seems like a long time ago. It was only last night. Yep. What... You, you shared a bit of your story about how you became an officer. Yeah. And, and these conversations are not everyone should become an officer. So no. that's not me. But, but you did. And I'm just wondering, can you just share how all that unfolded for you? Yeah, I mean, I'll try and give you the short version. Go for it. Um, I had led in various positions in the church. Um, I'd been a youth worker at Morley Salvation Army. Um, so I'd worked for you know, in vocational ministry. Um, I toured in a band and, you know, after I was a youth worker and then um, worked for a Baptist church, um, helping with their music worship team. Uh, but, yeah, I, I always felt, you know, that was just a season and Salvation Army mission is uh, is written on my DNA, I suppose. Um so I love the mission. I love what um, Salvation Army stands for and what we are as a church, how we um, engage with the community and um, meet human needs in Jesus' name. So I think Jesus did that and, and um, you know, I think that's... So I align very much with Salvation Army mission. Mm. Um, so, I've yeah, I was working at head office uh, in the youth department and then I, I could have become an officer years ago, you know, but um, I was married to Chelsea who wasn't an officer or wasn't even, didn't feel called to that um, until one day she did. And so she's able to, <laughs> you know, tell you her story. But um, so I just thought, you know, this is this is great. Like I, I would love to be a commissioned officer and really um, 
I suppose, yeah, I don't want to say given opportunities to lead, but but that is in the day to have an opportunity to really lead in the Salvation Army, you did need to become an officer, I felt. Um, Do you still feel that? I was going to ask that same question. Do you um, think it's changed? I don't think it's changed enough. I do think it's changing and I see on the Come Alive poster it talks about leadership, not mm. officership. Um, I was part of a program called Transform, which you were also a part of, mm-hmm. uh, leadership development, and I was part of a group that was dealing with a one of the issues that we face, which is um, that of declining officership, and we very quickly identified it's not an officership issue, it's actually a leadership issue. So... Um, I talk about leadership in the Salvation Army, but I, I wished it was more accessible yep. for people. Yeah. So do you, do you think people? So I, I talked a lot, obviously in my role, talked to a lot of people, and people think I'm talking about officership. Yep. Which in part, for some people, I am. Yep. What What are the other pathways then that you see as a core officer for people to serve in leadership? Because we we yep. we talk to people and say, I want to go to college, and I think, no, you don't. No, no, you don't. What you you want to you want to get in and kind of lead locally and do other stuff. And for some people, they see the only way to do that is as an officer. But other people would see it in a, in a local core community. Yeah. So, I guess what what would you say to those people who think that in order to be a leader, you got to do one thing? When in actual fact, there's so many other things that can be done. Um, well, we we have a really strong leader here called Tamara who was previously a Church of Christ pastor. Yep. And just she's been through our leadership and, I mean, like she can lead, like she's a, she's a very good leader. Um, so, that, so there's opportunities. She works for Salvation Army but she is still, she's still in a second chair. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I know it's probably opening a can of worms but... Um, for her to actually flourish or for people like that to really flourish in our organisation, I do think it's difficult and I do think cultures, and I'm hoping with Australia One, that culture shifts. Um, So I would say to people, yes, uh, there are opportunities, but still within myself I question how much are they going to be given to people who don't follow that stream. I don't know if that's what you want to hear, or whether we need to wipe this off the podcast, but, no, no, <laughs> um, or whether you want to reframe it, but that's that's the culture that we're in that yeah. we're tr- that we're all trying to. Yeah, yeah, I with. think everyone's wrestling with it. So I'm not surprised that when you talk, people think officership. Yeah, because that is our history. That's our culture. It worked for many years. Yeah, but now it's not working. Well, I think as the way it used to. yeah, the way we look at it, you know, even for being core officers. We, we've never sent anyone to college. You know, that whole sort yeah. of stand them under a flag and march yeah. them out down the street. We, but we have developed leaders. Mm. And I think one day maybe some of them will become officers because mm. that's a natural yeah. thing. But it doesn't start there. No. Yeah. I mean, I, what, I think that we, we desperately need great leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a mission that is incredible and people want to lead in it, but we need to open... Open the way. Yep. You need to facilitate that because people are drawn to it. And, yeah, I think the bottom line is if we don't, the organisation will fade away. <laughs> yeah. And someone else will raise something else up. Someone will take it over. Yeah. Yep. 
Chelsea, I don't feel like you're, you're talking enough. Um, Which is very unusual. <laughs> well, let's fix it. You tell us your story, how you became an officer. So as Daryl said, uh, we were married. He was working as an employee at DHQ and I, or we had two young children and I was part-time nursing. I've mentioned it. I was a nurse. Um, you weren't going to say anything. I brought it up. And... Uh, yeah, I went to 2007 Connections, I think it was. Um, Connections 07. Connections 07 and mm-hmm. had two young children and kind of knew that I wouldn't get to much of it with two toddlers. But my beautiful mother-in-law, who we love dearly, um, as has already been mentioned, dear Barb, came home one night and just said, you know, would you like to go in for the evening service? I'm happy to put kids to bed. I'm very social. I was like, thank you so much. (laughs) Even though I'd never driven in Melbourne, took a few directions from Dear Ken and got into the service a little bit late. Um, But they were, um, I remember they were awarding someone something. It wasn't like a call or an altar service or there wasn't any music playing. But I just remember having a moment with God and wasn't expecting it. And I was in tears a lot and I just... It was, I just, yeah, it wasn't scripted. It wasn't forced. It was just, it just happened. And I just had this time where I just strongly felt God was calling me to, or asking me to be a leader in the Salvation Army. And I remember those words because it wasn't, I didn't hear the word officer. Mm, interesting. Which is interesting. interesting. Let me get my pen out. <laughs> Better write that down. <laughs> felt the word spiritual leadership. So we yeah. um, went and saw Daryl's then boss at DC uh, at the time and, um, didn't think it would happen straight away because I really wanted, or we, I particularly wanted, and I convinced my husband wanted a third child. I did. We both did. I hope, hope your kids aren't listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Did. Absolutely. Maxie, yeah. Dear Maxie. We love you, Maxie. We love you, Maxie. Well done on coming first in your cross-country event this morning. <laughs> Not that you'll probably ever listen to this this morning, this uh, podcast. Anyway, he, uh, our then DC just, you know, talked about the option of envoy and um, I clearly said, you know, I want to have another baby. This probably won't be the best time and that didn't deter him. And uh, anyway, we went down the pathway of envoy, which has changed to lieutenant and back again and a few things, but it worked well for us. And um, I was in college as a young child and not so much scarred, but didn't enjoy having to be separated from my dear mum. I have memories. Anyway, I didn't want to be separated from my kids. I wanted to see. How were you separated from your mum in college? She had to put me into that crèche every day, and I remember lots of tears and, you know, that sort of thing. I I didn't. I sort of did a bit of research. Asked a few uh, mums on college, how much do you have to put your kids in care? And my kids hadn't been to daycare, and I didn't want them to. And that was just our choice. So Darrow had already done quite a lot of studies. um, So he didn't really see the pathway of college as being, an, you know, a good option for him mm. and I too didn't want to do that. I wanted to still be the full-time carer of our kids. So fell pregnant six weeks into envoyship and uh, we were... Well done. Yeah. Thank you. About going into the details and, um, <laughs> yeah, so I was one day in at DHQ in children's department and Daryl was in the mission department. I never know the titles clearly. I was the mission development director. There we go. Department of one. Department of one. Direct yourself. Self-learning. Directing. Yeah. Okay. So our first years were kind of different probably to most and we had dear Max, third child, and 
um, yeah, I was given a very flexible option to begin with, which I look back on and I'm very, very thankful. And mm. as I said to you before, Daryl was getting paid more when he was an employee. So some senior leaders reminded me of that to not feel so guilty that I wasn't full-time in ministry at, in that way. When I say that, I like to clarify, I think everyone's in full-time ministry, whether, oh, yeah. whether you're a nurse, a teacher, a pastor, officer. Anyway. Is that like we don't go to church, we are the church? That's, we speak that here yes. all the time at Rockingham. <laughs> we call this place a centre and a lot of my pe- friends who don't go to church often say, oh, so we're meeting at the local shops. And I'll be like, oh, no, no, centre, we call it because we purposely use the word centre here because we encourage it's that church, yeah. belief that the people are the church, not the, the lovely building. Anyway. Um, it's very nice, by the way. The lovely building. It is lovely. You might have to put a few photos yeah, I'll onto do that. the podcast. I'll do that. In the show notes. At the end of the In day, the it's notes. just a building though, eh? Very true. Very true. It is, but we are thankful for it. We are. Um, yeah, so, and then a few years into that, uh, I think, oh, actually Max was only one, so it wasn't too far after that. Um, we were asked if we would be willing to take on a core and we said we would prefer to stay. We're loving our roles and... Oh. Well, then I know how this ends. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they got asked the year before. Yeah, and that, that went down the year before. Oh, so you, yeah. The yeah. second year we got asked, yeah. it was about a you day You get one go later. at it. Yeah. And you used it up. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. So was was running a call or a centre, was that what you wanted to do at some stage, just not at that stage? Yeah, I think so. We, did, yeah. I think if I hadn't known what it was like, I would have probably said yes earlier, but we just really loved particularly Daryl, was very involved in his department of one. (laughs) He was loving what he was doing, so he didn't really want to move. That's when they they said, all department heads, come (laughs) meet. Is that me? It must be. (laughs) I think I did come on your team for a little bit. It also means when they say, just send anyone from your department, that's me. Oh, no. (laughs) You have to go. Yeah. So anyway, we've came to Rockingham now nearly eight years ago and we love it. I actually grew up for three years, 20 minutes down the road and oh, okay. um, so it's sort of familiar area, but just love it. Just love the area, love the people. Just Yeah, I think with, yeah, I was enjoying working at DHU. It was more strategic thinking, I suppose, but I didn't ask to leave. Um, yeah, and we, we follow orders. We get appointed to places and, um, but I didn't, it wasn't reluctant. I was just like, okay, well, this is a new a new thing and um, so we came down here and I did actually say to the DC, are you sure you don't want me to go to Bustleton and run the core because smallish program, you know, first core, all that, uh, nice place to... Very close to the beach. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he said, no, no, we're certain this is the place. So um, we came down Were and, you certain? Um, yeah, I was pretty, I was actually. There was a lot, there was yeah. a strong piece about it. Yeah, because yeah. I knew Lance and Anne and... Um, yeah, we had had conversations earlier that just it just all added up to me, you know. So, um, and then when we got here, I just thought this is like you can really lead in a core. Like you're not, you, you know, in a department at DHQ, you always you're being led by others, and you know it's not as freeing, I suppose, if you're if you have gifts in leadership. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that's always the case, but. 
But and that's I love what people I when yeah. obviously you're immersed with people all around you. I used to take about an hour to get to my desk at DHQ and I was only in there one day a week. So <laughs> Daryl would give me a call at 10 o'clock and say, are you seated yet? But I'd chat to the DC. <laughs> Where are you? Yeah. I've been here all, I've been for yeah. two hours. And just when you're pregnant, out. everyone wants to know yeah, how yeah, it's yeah. going. Yeah. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? How long to go? All of that stuff. But, yeah, so we've just loved it and I like to emphasise how much we love it. So whoever's listening, you know. No desire to leave well, anytime soon. The other side of it is that I don't, I'm not, like it's like a pastoral position, but I don't, I'm not a gifted pastor or like a pastorally caring for people and that kind of stuff. So I have gifts in leadership and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably not, and even when I was a youth worker, it's like you're a bit out of the box, but I don't think people should l- like kind of put, these, oh, I have to look a certain way to be in the role. And I think, um, you know, like I said before, Salvation Army needs leadership. If people can lead, um, then I think, you know, get in there and lead. <laughs> but leaders find, you know, like you would have great pastoral people yeah. here. Yeah. Probably Chelsea. So Chelsea and others. Gifts, but that yeah. doesn't mean you can't, it doesn't exclude you from leadership because I'm, I'm really pastoral or I don't love admin yeah. or who I mean, does. But like there's, that's leadership. Leadership finds mm. people. Yeah, and the church is, I know the theology or I have my theology <laughs> around what the church is and um, I read a book many years ago called Body Life by Ray Stedman and it's an old book and um, but it's just great teaching from Ephesians where it talks about the leaders in the church, their role is to teach the church how to function as the church. So it's around that, what Chelsea was talking about, you know, the church isn't the building, but, and, and it's the people, right? So, but our, my role is a functional role, I see, as, as a pastor or as a, as a church leader. So I do ministry, but I teach the people how to do ministry as well, you know, yeah. and how to function as the church. And that's my role in the church, but we're all a part of it. So, so we lead from within, we, we're a part of it as well, you know? Well, I mean... <clears throat> Sounds pretty cheap, but I actually think, you know, core officers aren't sort of ringmasters. You know, mm. like everyone comes and watches the, mm. oh, look at him or her. They're just, oh, they're so busy and they're so overwhelmed and they're, oh, they're doing all this stuff and, and there's 200 people there sitting, well, you know, we could help. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In five years' time, what does this place look like? Um... Good question. Yeah. Lots of dreams and extensions. We, it, it's named, nicknamed, I suppose, if that's the right word, uh, known as the centre of hope. We started that kind of phrase through our prayer and seeking God in what this place would look like and it sort of stuck. And in some of our leadership discussions, we've talked about how pe- everyone's a centre of hope who have Christ, obviously, and when we go out. But then we've also talked about other spaces that we'd love to develop further in our community Mm. to have more than one centre of hope. Um, So, yeah, spaces for homelessness. Homelessness, people experiencing homelessness (laughs) is a big thing here in Rockingham and we are really thankful we've been able to um, employ two people. We had four for a little while, but um, two outreach workers for homelessness um, to journey with people and that's just something that's a real focus and that's part of what this place was designed the way it is because we feel really called to that. So extending those services, uh, partnering with more 
people in the community. Um, you partner with other organisations? Yep. So we have, so the, the street doctor, Frio Street Doctor, it's like a doctor's clinic in a van. They just come and park in the car park a couple of times a week. Guy from Centrelink will come in every few weeks and, um, yeah, it's just a lot different environment than Centrelink. You know, it's... it's um, The style. Yeah, like everyone's a number and you wait for hours and, and all that and there's forms to fill in and stuff. But this guy's just really personal, just a wonderful human being, you know, and, and it makes a difference yeah. with people. And so for them to have a, a Soundlink appointment here is it just... It's just a partnership that is just incredibly valuable, you know. And um, we have Orange Sky Laundry. They're oh, yeah. up all over yep. the place. Um Quite a, yeah, quite a awesome organisation, really. Um, so they come um, on a Tuesday. Um, we get dentist vans and the hearing aid, the hearing van, which tests people's hearing for free. You know, there's just organisations like that. The City of Rockingham partners with us, and and they love what we do. Um, they'll often give us grants, and um, but they organise events in our centre for community support and all that. So. There's quite a few. There's probably some I'm leaving out, but... Um, and a lot yeah. of that's what can we, we do here in this facility, but there's also um, a big thing at the moment for us is increasing our PLP facilitators and um, our wonderful leader, Glenn, who oversees that, has developed some more facilitators for that, has now had a door open to go into prisons and to run PLP in prisons, and that's just quite a recent thing. But he's so excited about that and we all are. So to to see that God's kind of created a bit of a hub here but to not limit it to who can come to us. And yeah, that's Glenn's, a big... Yeah, Glenn's story is amazing. Like he, so he came probably six years ago to our old centre, which was just next door, and he, um, he did the PLP program. Someone else facilitated him through that. And he started coming to church and he was really unwell at the time and he had lost his job and it, life was just not great for him and he linked in, you know, to what we do and then um, Brian who took him through PLP said, oh, I think Glenn would actually be good at running PLP. And so, you know, we had him trained and he had kind of picked up in his life and... Um, and was, Christ, found he Jesus. Found, he found Jesus. And became and, an um, adherent and became, an adherent, became, a became a soldier. And now he, so he leads our PLP team. But, you know, I was talking to him about leadership and... He said, well, I'm not a leader. Like, I don't see myself a leader. So I'm like, okay, so tell us about PLP, you know, what, what did you guys? He said, oh, yeah, we've got a team of people in it. It's like, mate, you led that, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I think people have this certain view of what leader leader, is. leadership is, but he's just a guy that's really quiet. He just plods along and he's just now, he's, he's, he's talked to people about going into the prisons. Yeah, there's not a leader, right? But he's expanding our reach into the prisons and um, he's expanded it also down to Mandra Way. There's some housing. Um, another church. Yeah, another E-Wan. church runs housing and so they've asked us to come run PLP in their houses, right? Yes. So he's taking teams down there and I'm going, dude, <coughs> you're telling me you're not a leader. I'm still not a leader. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I think people have this certain view of what it is but, you know, people... People have more capacity than they believe and it's because we get caught in this, oh, a leader's an officer or a leader's Looks has like to look this. like this, that we're not open to the fact that, hang on, I could probably lead some of God's church, you know. <laughs> and lead where you are. Yeah. 
so yeah, coming back to the five year, it's just there's endless possibilities. We also involved. Yeah. We've got a children's worker, a youth worker who do a lot of stuff in the schools, mm-hmm. and we um, support the chaplains of the area. They use our facility for their training days, and we've tried to kind of create a church chaplain council and trying to promote churches partnering with chaplains and really supporting their ministries and. We do some mentoring in the local school, but just to really increase that, um, to have more people involved. Because we just always say, as much as we do see four to 500 people coming through the doors, um, there's so many people that will never, ever come to us, whether it's seeking God or seeking help. Yeah. And so we just do really feel strongly that we've been resourced so well, we want to see now things going out further and beyond. So we do have these people employed to be homeless outreach workers and their main role is to to go out to find those who haven't connected in anywhere and there's all these things that are starting to happen outside now beyond what's been happening here, which is exciting. Just to celebrate recovery, we could... How long have we got? Oh, you could go. The thing, I think the thing records for like 15 hours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will listen for 15 hours. Come back, make a cuppa, pause. Yeah. Go on, talk about. I was just going to say another exciting thing is we've started Celebrate Recovery, which is a new ministry. Um, We're only three weeks in and we're kind of training people and learning as we go, but we do, we're probably very unique within the Salvation Army. Well, I don't know, there might be more like us, but we don't have a lot of people who've been a part of the Salvation Army for long periods of time. The old rusted on salvos that have lived through all of it. There's people who don't know what DHQ means, they don't know, you know, we talk about. They say, oh, they're. TC's coming to visit or something uh-huh. and people are like, what? Like you have to explain that Everything. stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. <laughs> we're, you know, we're yeah. fine with that. It's a whole new um, culture here. But um, Celebrate Recovery is something we see as a need because, uh, we, you know, we see people come on Sundays and they might make a cup of hang in the foyer. After a few months they might come in. But we don't want the only opportunity for people to find God to be set in a hour service of, you know, tradition in that you sit in rows and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, we just have people with high complexities and different issues and we've stumbled across and it's a whole other story of how God brought us to this. But Celebrate Recovery we see as an option for people who Mm. just need that extra support. And Yeah, so it says Celebrate Recovery is for people to help them overcome hurts, habits and hang-ups. And that's everyone, right? Yeah. Um, But it's actually a really supportive kind of, faith community environment where, um, you know, there's an hour you come together and worship together and there's some teaching and the teaching said it's on a two-year kind of cycle. And then you break up into small groups and the small groups are really there to offer support and, um, you know, just spiritually journeying with each mm. other. So um, it's based on small groups and, um, yeah, it's pretty That's exciting. Cool. Oh, I'm, I feel like joining up actually. Yeah. <laughs> Move over to Perth, it's yeah, not yeah. too far. No, it's only a bit. Five hours or something. Um, but it all started, just as we sort of wrap up, it all started because at some point you both said yes to leadership. Yeah. Not to officership mm-hmm. per se. I mean, that, that happened, but to leadership. Um, so I'm wondering if you could leave a pearl of wisdom for people listening, if you've got any pearls left. But the idea of I'm in, I'm in a core and, and, you know, people who listen to the podcast are in some really small core. Mm-hmm. Some are in large core. Um, where do people start? If people do, yeah. say yes to leadership, I do have a where pearl do they start? Wisdom, uh, but it's not mine. So claim it as your happy own, mate. to share it. Um, early on in my leadership here, and I shared this last night, we went through some material by Henry Blackaby called "Experiencing God," 
and uh, the thesis or his, his kind of teaching on that is um, God is already at work and he invites us to join him. And so we, John 5, is it? Where the uh, Father is at work. Yeah. Is it John 12? Something like I that. Don't know. Is it in John? Maybe <laughs> we like should know. Chelsea, where is it? Because we're biblically trained. <laughs> I, don't we know. It's, it's, well. I, I just want to say it was definitely in the New Testament. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Um, you know, yeah, Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father doing. Yeah. He's always at work. So um, that's that really shifted my, like, my view of leadership, I suppose, um, that, you know, I don't have to come up with these whiz bang plans, I think, well, God is already working in people's lives. And if you're in a small core, if you're in a large core, God's at work, you know. And even when you go to work or when you go to the shops, you know, God is working. And we should, if we're connected with God, if, we're, if, if we have him, if our eyes are on him, then I think that we are tuned to what, what he's doing. So it doesn't matter where you are, like you can lead where you are. And um, yeah, God is always at work and he loves people way more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose for me, stealing someone else's pearl as well. We spoke about this at a recent leadership development night about do for one what you wish you could do for many from, I think, Andy Stanley. But I think we're in a world where everything's about big and instant and, you know, we all talk about, we, we lean to looking at numbers and we all do it naturally. But um, being able to you know, going back to the vision, transform with the love of Jesus one life at a time. I just think God does the rest and, you know, whether you're Mm. in whatever size church, whatever community you're in, God wants to use people to do that. And um, that could be done in a a leadership position and and maybe we would have kept down the leadership path if there were different options. Uh, I don't, you know, we don't regret anything and we've been very well supported and just love what we do. Um, but I do think if I hadn't have had the flexibility given with a small family and uh, wanting to, to take that path as um, the main, le- main parenting role for our children, then, you know, I don't know if I would have said yes or so it came with flexibility. But, yeah, just to encourage people to have conversations and to take opportunities and like our story about Glenn, leadership doesn't look like, you know, the upfront. Mm. It doesn't look a certain way. Leadership happens in so many ways and so, you, you know, leadership uh, could be through PLP, through your core or mm. whatever. But just to – I just think if God's speaking – and asking if you're asking him to whatever he says. That's what people used to say. Oh, did you cringe when he asked you to be a leader? Or, you know, that whole dra- kicking and screaming. I'm like, no, if I know for certain it's God, I'm saying yes. Because, I mean, God just has amazing plans. So. Yeah, good. We could talk for 15 hours. I literally yeah. can. She's done it before. I've done it before. And you haven't even <laughs> taken another breath. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Look, I... I'm, this is this has been really good. This is really helpful. Um, and so thanks for taking the time to Pleasure. chat to us. If you've got questions or comments, and some people do leave questions and comments, oh. uh, leave them on the Facebook page and um, maybe I'll send them to Chelsea and Daryl um, if they're happy to, to do that. And don't forget, if you want to register for a Come Alive event, there's still some events to happen around the country, so you can do that at salvos.org.au forward slash come alive that would be good uh daryl chelsea thanks very much pleasure let's go and have a let's go and have a tour of this magnificent facility (laughs) and a coffee amen all right thanks guys we'll see you next time
Thanks for joining us for more about officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?